Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Alita Maxwell. She's the founder and professional coach of Uplifting Leadership, author of Uplifting Leaders, How to Have Difficult Conversations That Motivate and Inspire. She has 25 years of experience in highly competitive work environments in both the hospitality industry and nonprofits. Alita, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me today. Can you describe your background and journey that made you to be the coach that you are today? So I started out in the hospitality industry at 15. I had a job as a line server in a deli, moved through to barista, worked my way up to assistant manager, assistant general manager, and then general manager. Um, My goal at the time was to own a restaurant like so many that start out in the restaurant industry have as their goal. In 2007, I had my son. And so I decided I need to pivot. Um, Working the crazy hours I was working did not jive with an infant child at the time. So I really pivoted into the nonprofit world. And at the time, this was a huge letdown for me. Um, But looking back, it was such an amazing um, time in my life to experience building up my skill sets in a different avenue. The finance and HR world was new to me. And so I really dove in and soaked up as much as I could. Um, I then came back into the restaurant industry and partnered with a restaurant group here in New York that had three locations. I helped them build that up to 22 locations in eight years, and we were able to sell the company at the beginning of 2020. Um, That then allowed me to pivot yet again into the coaching space and really focus on the things that allowed me to live my joy and my passion, which was coaching individually or in small groups to develop out leadership and communication skills. So I've had kind of a winding road throughout my career. But now I'm super thankful for all of the different experiences I've had that have allowed me to kind of bring that breadth of experience to my clients now. So through that journey, what's one thing that you're most grateful for? All those pivots. I can't tell you how many times um, I had a career change and and sat there really a little depressed because my goal that I had had that I had been working towards wasn't going to be realized in the way that I thought it was going to. And especially I think when we're younger, um, we think that we have to know exactly how our life's going to unfold and and we have a goal set and we think, of course, I'm going to accomplish that. Um, And so all those different pivots were really surprising to me in the moment. But now looking back on my career, I'm so thankful for the different opportunities that I had because they each taught me so much that I think built me into who I am today. Why did you choose to focus on leadership and communication coaching? Well, I realized about 15 years ago, you know, when I was younger, I thought that if you were in a leadership position, you were there because you had the skills that, of course, you wouldn't be promoted to lead people unless you had great communication skills and you were a great leader. And about 15, 16 years ago, I realized that is not the case. People are promoted into leadership positions for a whole host of reasons. And oftentimes, it's the needs of the company. We have a position to fill. You are the best person for it. We 
you can see that you have potential. So we're going to go ahead and give you a shot in this position. And so I really started seeing that there is a need for newer leaders and even some more senior leaders to build out some of their competencies. I was really lucky um, that I had a lot of mentors throughout my career that developed these skills out. They invested time and resources to help me figure out what kind of a leader do I want to be? How do I want to show up for my team? What does that mean in my communication and how I interact with my team? But so many leaders I find today did not or don't have those mentors within their support team. And so that's what I ended up focusing on because I saw the need. And I also saw that that was one of my superpowers. Working with my own coach, I discovered the things that made me me that were unique to me and how can I then use those, um, those skills or those um, superpowers to help others expand and become the leaders that they want to be. So let's talk about leadership. What, in your opinion, makes an effective leader? For me, it truly does come down to communication and awareness. I found that the leaders that I've loved working for throughout the years did not come with ego, but truly came with trying to understand what were the needs of the team and how can I speak to those needs? How can I help support my team? And awareness is really needed to do that effectively and efficiently. So it always comes down to how we communicate in my world. So how can leaders improve their communication? I think it starts with kind of building out the foundation and, and truly taking some time to reflect what type of a leader do I want to be? What intention do I have throughout my communication? My intentions through every communication is to make sure that the person I'm talking with feels seen, heard, and appreciated. I know that when I rest in that intention, I show up with a different energy. I'm able to kind of negate or quiet down my ego when it, when it gets prodded or poked. And I can truly focus on being curious and hearing what the other person is saying to me. Even if it's a difficult conversation or even if we don't agree, when I focus on making sure that person feels seen, heard, and appreciated, we can come to a mutual understanding because they're not necessarily fighting to be heard or fighting to be appreciated. I'm acknowledging that and all of my words that I'm choosing, the energy that I'm bringing is really leaning into that. What would you say leaders who have a my way or highway mindset communicating with uh, leaders on their team? I find that this comes from a different, a couple different places. This could be a lack of confidence from the leader. It could be a leader that is really focused on efficiency. At the end of the day, I find that this leader creates a lot more obstacles to meet their end goal. Um, especially the efficiency part. I, I've talked to a lot of different people that have this thought process because I just got to get done. Alita, I don't have 45 minutes to talk to each person and get their buy-in at the front end. And I always ask, you know, do you have then hours upon hours to deal with this person, to pull them along to your plan um, throughout the process? I would much rather spend a half an hour, 45 minutes talking with my team member acknowledging the needs that I'm seeing, stating what I think a solution might be, asking for feedback or concerns about my solution, asking them to poke holes in my plan so that I can better it, and then getting their commitment to helping me champion or cheerlead my plan, and then rolling out my plan, because now they're bought in. It's not just my plan, it's our plan, rather than 
putting my plan up, it's my way or the highway, I don't really need your input, and then having to drag you along. I find that typically when leaders do this, they tend to have the same conversations with the same teammates that aren't bought in. So there's a lot of time invested there. Their team typically then becomes a bit disengaged. So now we're having discipline issues on top of trying to drag them along with our plan. I find it to be much more efficient if we get the buy-in from the beginning and make sure that our plan is really thoughtful in um, dealing with all the concerns and the needs of our team prior to rolling it out. So what's one of the number one ways to navigate conflict? I find that being super curious is a great way to start out. So many people I see avoid conflict because there's a lot of assumptions they're they're dealing with. There's an possibly assumption that the other person doesn't like them, doesn't want to help, is lazy. I mean, the list of assumptions can be quite long and they're typically not built on giving the benefit of the doubt. Um, I also see that some people avoid conflict because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing. So when we enter into conflict, getting trying to be as curious as possible, trying to ask what's at play and really seek to understand what the issue, the root cause is, that's a much easier way to navigate conflict. Because again, it's not all on our shoulders. We don't have to have all the answers. If we come in with curiosity, we're truly asking the other person to partner with us to seek the best solutions. And I find that when I do that, again, my ego has to be pushed to the side. And I'm a lot more I'm a lot better at finding the creative solutions when I enter into conflict uh, with that curiosity. I think that's really good, especially because how many times is there something going on that people are upset about and maybe it's you're working on a project and there are people that are upset, but you it's not about the project. It's because something that happened a month ago that people are still mad about. And so if you don't dive into what that is and why that's bothering them and resolve that, it just flows into every single other project. Well, it's, it's pretty funny that you're bringing that up because I have a couple of clients right now. That's the case that, you know, conflict arose throughout the past several months or years. We've chosen not to deal with it because we don't know what to say and whatever. Well, it's just too much to get into and it builds. And so a breakdown of trust happens and we don't give each other the benefit of the doubt until there's an explosion of some kind, until the staff are upset and they're threatening to leave or an ownership issue arises and we're thinking about splitting up ownership. And I just find that if we dealt with things as they arose and made sure that we came to that issue with curiosity and truly the goal of seeking a solution that works for everybody, then it doesn't build an explosion point. Thinking that you can sweep things underneath the rug never works out. It always will come back to bite you. And it typically is a much harder lift because you're, you're lifting a lot more than just that one issue. It's typically compounded by that point. Um, so it's much harder to un unravel than if you dealt with things as they arose. So can you give us an example of a story where you've actually helped somebody improve their communication skills? Yeah, I had a client last year who came to me because he had just been recently promoted into senior leadership for a company. And 
truly there was a lack of confidence. He felt that he had to have all the answers in order to prove his value. And so he was coming to the table with a lot of ideas, but a lack of curiosity. And he didn't feel comfortable asking questions because in his mind, he was in this position, he should know all the answers. And so we really dealt with what does it mean to be curious? How do we ask these questions in a really supportive way to be able to provide the most creative and best solutions. And he started getting more comfortable asking questions. He started to see it as a support rather than acknowledging that he didn't know everything. And it allowed him to build trust with his team. And then sure enough, create and show that value because he was integral to senior leadership and the stakeholders and understanding what was really at play rather than leading with assumptions and rolling out solutions that really didn't deal with the root causes of problems, but rather the symptoms. Um, and so it was really fun watching him build up that skill and that muscle of asking questions with curiosity rather than leading with this, you know, I know all the answers and um, that's why I'm here. It was, it was really fun seeing him build out that competency. I think that's uh, so important to understand in leadership. There's so many people that go out there and say, because I'm the leader, I'm the one that needs to get all the credit. And then you'll see leaders that will compete with those that are under them uh, with work and try to take the work and micromanage and one of the, the biggest things that I learned, even in my own world, was to have those experts that are around you, let them shine and them tell you what needs to be done in their world to accomplish the vision. And you're, you know, you're responsible for the vision. You're responsible for this is where we need to go. Okay, guys, how is that you know, going to play out? And I found so many people that, that were more supportive. I had, you know, a stronger connections with people and they trusted me more. They didn't necessarily trust the people that are around me <laughs> that weren't operating the same way, but I was able to build that. And it's funny because I've talked to a lot of people when I say that, that, you know, as a leader, your job is to be the visionary and, and that's, that's what you're paid to do. They, they think, and, and, you know, doing the work, that's not my job. Some of them get surprised. Yeah. You know, like what? Well, I think that's a big step up and that that's a, a mind shift that has to be intentional when you go from um, in the worker bee to more of the leader you are just as needed, but in a different way. You're needed to problem solve, you're needed to support, you're needed to come up with creative solutions. You're there to help um, kind of lift up your team rather than the doer. And so I think that is a, a shift in thought process when we get into leadership. But also, like you said, if I'm here to support my team and make sure that they have as smooth sailing as possible and help navigate conflicts, I'm going to be more valued. My team is going to want me to shine rather than if I come in and I'm the leader and it's my way and I get all the shine. Uh, of course, you're building a environment where people are going to want to see you fail. I'd rather be in an environment where people want to see me succeed because I'm there to see them succeed. And that kind of um, loop that you can build in a really 
inspirational way, are, those are the teams that I love to be a part of. And those are the leaders that I've always loved to work for too. What do you think your truth or value that has gotten you this far in your journey is? I think when I discovered um, the leadership style of servant leadership, that allowed me to get much more comfortable with my authority. Servant leadership takes the spotlight off of me as a leader. I am truly here to support and uplift my team. And it really kind of reverses that organizational chart. So the leaders aren't at the top, we're at the bottom. We're here to support and uplift our team. It allows me also to center all of my communication on that. It's not about me, it's about you. So I'm gonna to speak to your needs first. When I want to influence you and get me you on my side, I'm not gonna speak about what I need. I'm gonna speak about what your needs are and how this is gonna help you get to your end goal. So it's a much easier conversation. I get much more support that way. And I truly feel a lot more comfortable in my authority because it's not about me. It's about my team. So servant leadership is really that, that, that point that allowed me to get really comfortable with leadership. So what's your intention in uh, creating your coaching business and uh, you know, what's your end goal? What do you see happening in the future? Yeah, I, I really looked around about, it was about five years ago. I wasn't, I was in my dream job, right on paper. It was what I had wanted to do and I should have been really happy in my role, but I wasn't. And so I, I actually got a coach to help me figure out how do I navigate the waters I'm currently in and, and what do I want for my future and figuring that out. And I realized that the moments that I was meeting either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups coaching on leadership and communication skills were the moments that I felt my joy. And so that's why I went into coaching. Now that I'm in coaching, I truly feel that the more that we can better communication and thoughtful leadership, the better our communities and society will be. So much of, I, I think some of the problems that we're seeing is because ego is leading first. And the more that we can kind of be intentional with putting ego to the side and truly leading with curiosity and digging into how can I be as helpful to my team as possible, then you will see the ripple effects in, in our society at large. So I just feel like the more, the the more better leaders we have out there, the better our society will be at the end of the day. So if you were able to get yourself one piece of advice when you first started your journey, what would it be? Be more compassionate on yourself. I think that I was really, really hard on myself. Um, when I was younger. And what that ended up doing was making it so that I was a lot harder on my team than I needed to be. Being more compassionate on myself, um, acknowledging that perfection is not reality and it isn't a realistic expectation on myself or on others. And then giving more space for failure. Honestly, the best ways that I have learned is through failure. If something didn't work and I had to pivot and I had to be creative with how I'm going to get myself out of this mess, that's where I've learned the best. And so giving a bit more space to my team to fail with some safety nets and um, being more compassionate to myself and others is probably the best piece of advice I would give to my younger self. So I uh, did want to, I met, already mentioned your book, but Uplifting Leaders, you're, it's number one on Amazon. And for anyone that wants to grab a copy, I'll put the, the links in the notes. Is there anything that you want to share about your book that those listening um, might find interesting? Yeah, I think, you know, I share a lot of um, experiences that I've had, both conversations that have gone really well and events that have not gone, gone well, but 
because the right conversations weren't had. I think that so many people don't understand that we should prepare for these conversations just like we prepare for anything else. And so the more that we can spend time investing in our own development, which oftentimes is aside from work, so whether that's reading or podcasts or or YouTube videos, the more that we can develop out this skill set, the better of a leader we will be. And this is not a skill set that everybody is born with. So we do need to take some time to really think about how do we want to communicate and how do I better my trust and communication skills with my team? I think the better we will be as leaders at large. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Well, I want to mention uh, a few of your uh, links if anyone wants to get a hold of you. Your website is upliftingleadership.com. You're on LinkedIn under Alita Maxwell. And uh, I believe it's Twitter, upliftingleadership underscore leadership. Yeah. And uh, again, I will link your book down below as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today. And if you are uh, would like more information about a call to thrive. You could go to a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful week.